0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future, this episode of the podcast is supported by And Soda, a brand new, refreshing, sugar-free, sweetener-free and gluten-free vodka-based alcoholic beverage. God, I love that vodka. And with only 99 calories per can, you can drink loads. Please drink responsibly when the fun stops, stop. Flavours include Florida Orange, British Raspberry and my personal favourite, Mexican Lime. Serve, chilled and enjoy. Check them out on and Soda across all socials. You can find more episodes of this podcast including chats with James Hype, Ben Hemsley, Lefty, Nathan C, Tim from the Utah Saints and many, many more on iTunes, Spotify and now including this very episode on YouTube for that full video experience. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house or visit youtube.com forward slash DJ Felix Leiter. And don't forget to hit subscribe. In this episode of the podcast, I talk to Belgian tech house Don Nightfunk about his very DIY approach to music. He's self-taught, self-released and forging his way to the upper tier of the global house circuit via his releases. And as soon as this pandemic is over, tour gigs too, I'm sure. The list of labels he has or is just about to release on is eye-watering, including Patrick Toppin's trick imprint, Solid Groove, CR2, and Jackie and Friends, just to name a few. We talk about that massive beat part number one, Pump Up The Jam, and the really interesting story behind it. Dennis is a very talented and humble individual, and his story is nothing but inspirational and motivational. So, let's get into it.
1: in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do and
0: who they are. Night Funk, welcome to the show. It's so amazing to have you. How are you this morning, sir? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm good. This is a this is an early morning um, podcast chat for me. So it is. We're doing it at 9 a.m. Central European Time. It is eight, just after 8 a.m. for me. And in the world of DJs, that is <laughs> that is kind of early. Um, obviously, the pandemic has changed that. Uh, my sleeping pattern has changed a lot in the se- last six months. But where where are you in the Central European time zone? Whereabouts is your little studio base that I can see?
2: Um, I'm from Belgium, and it's uh, nine o'clock here too. So um, I think we're in the same time range.
0: No, no, I'm an hour earlier than you, sir. So I'm I'm uh, I'm just after eight a.m. Um, ah. but it's it's all good, man. It's just nice. It's uh, it's it's an unusual time for me to record, but that's uh that's good. Whereabouts in Belgium are you? Would anyone outside of Belgium know? How how do you say, sorry? Whereabouts in Belgium are you based? Um I'm from uh
2: from Mol. That's uh, a little town um in Antwerp. I don't know if you heard of yeah, Antwerp. Yeah, no,
0: Antwerp. Okay, man. So, before we get into the um the nitty-gritty of the podcast, we're going to do what a new little section that I'm going to call knowing me Felix Leiter knowing you night funk I'm going to ask you a couple of quick little questions um and we're just going to kind of get to know some things and we'll you know we'll just have a bit of fun with it and see what the answers are um so first question is what's the favorite city you've ever visited doesn't have to be DJ related just a city that you've been to that you really loved
2: I've been in uh in Canada once um and that was really—I I don't know that—I can't say w- which city it was, but it was in general in Canada. It was really a, an amazing place to be. Um, some some experience I I never had before um, because of the the nature, because of the the mentality with the people. Um, so that's a place I I won't uh, forget. <laughs>
0: nice so in the, the the pandemic i mean this question goes wider than the pandemic but we've had a bit more time on our hands with the uh, lack of gigs and you know some lack of socializing in some respects so my question to you is do you prefer a good box set like a good series on the tv or do you prefer a good film like a good movie what do you like to watch on an evening when you're having a bit of time to yourself yeah sure a good movie would be uh, would be great Give me a title of a, a good movie that you could recommend to the people listening or watching this podcast right now. Something you've seen recently.
2: Um, oh, I'm not so good at in, in names, and I and I always forget the, the names of the movies.
0: Um, oh, favorite movie of all time, Night Funk. Give us your favorite movie ever. Uh
2: favorite movie. Oh, um. The last one I've seen was um, Fire with Fire, I guess. That, that okay. was the title of the movie. That
0: wasn't nice. A good one. I'm going to, okay, so we're now, we're, uh, we'll, we'll stray back into musical worlds. If you go and do a gig, DJ gig, I'm not sure when your last one was due to the pandemic, but let's just say everything changed and you had a gig. What would be your drink of choice when you turn up to a gig? What's that sort of, you know, you get to the club and they say, Dennis, what would you like to drink? Uh, and what do you choose?
2: Um, if I can choose and i'm and I'm playing in Belgium, i would uh I would choose for a a caramelite or a uh, West Mal triple. It's a Belgian beer. Wow so that would
0: be <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I don't think I've heard of those before they uh, do do you not really see those outside of Belgium?
2: um sometimes in uh, in Holland um in the Netherlands they uh they some sometimes have some Belgian beers. But uh, I've never uh, seen it in uh, in England or in, in Germany. And Germany sometimes,
0: um, yeah. Oh. Nice. Well, I, I think it's a bit early for me. I might stick to uh, my <laughs> cup of tea. But uh, it sounds great. Right, we're going to get into um, the meat and veg of the podcast. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to go go right back way before DJing, way before all that lovely production hardware you've got behind you. Way before kind of even, you know, university taking you right back to your childhood. And I want to try and get a handle on those early musical influences. Um, some of the music that was being played around you um, when you were young. Um, was it parents? Was it older brothers and sisters? Um, and obviously it's, it's interesting um, because you're from Belgium. I uh, assume you grew up in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. So, what sort yeah. of music do you remember as a, as a really young child? What was being played in the house or in the car? What kind of styles? What kind of artists? What were those really super early musical influences that you had?
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, to begin with, I was always interested in music and, and musical instruments, but I never had a chance um, to to go to uh, the music school. Um, my, my parents thought it wasn't a great idea. Um, but um, but I was already influenced by um, CDs from my parents, from The Doors, from um, yeah, like like the, the classic rock bands from from the early days. Um, and uh, then I uh, I met a friend of me in school, and he was playing the guitar already. So um, that was my first uh, experience with uh, with with seeing someone play an actual instrument. And I was so fascinated uh, at that point. Um, I think I was like 15 years old at the, at that moment. Okay. And I was so interested in, and, and, I, and I said to my parents that I really wanted to play the guitar too. So I started to play classical guitar, started to play um, electrical uh, guitar afterwards, uh, learning some chords and, and course progressions and stuff. And at, the, at a certain point, um, me and my friend, we were talking about um, starting a band and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and making our own music and doing covers from, from other rock bands. But um, it was always a, a pain in the ass to, um, to have the full band together and to play uh, with, with all the people together. And at that point, um, I was a little bit frustrated, I thought about um, the fact that well, maybe I, I can do some things myself, and I, I started with uh, computer programs, and I started with uh, experimenting with uh, DAWs, um, with um, with the computer programs to make electronical music. And that, that those were the first uh, steps, I, I think, in, uh, in electronic music that I made. Um, the, and next I I met another friend who was already DJing and, and DJing in this um at at this at his place and, and I was introduced with that and that's how I came into DJing too. So
0: so if I take you back, um so obviously you were into um the sort of the, the rock music um you know at the time and that's one of the reasons you picked up a guitar. Do you remember you know, prior to this sort of um, transition into the, getting into the, the DAWs and the, the electric music, uh, electronic production, can you remember the first sort of few pieces of music from that genre that you may have heard? Can you remember the first few pieces of electronic dance music that you may have been hearing when you were 15, 16, 17, around that age?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there were some c- CDs uh, back in those days, when when electronic music, when I was introduced to electronic music, there were some c- CDs from my parents that I can remember. Um, it was, I guess, it his, his artist's name was Felix,
0: okay. um,
2: and um, I think it was um, oh, I, I can't remember the title uh, anymore, but it was. There were also some some Belgian acts in that. Um, that period. Um, there were some Belgian acts like uh, Milk Inc, um, Praga yeah. Kaan. um So now it's a coincidence because Praga Cam, the, the founder from the um, from the group, um, yo also wanted me to do a remix or a uh, collab project for next year. So that's <laughs> that's something interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, Sasha. There was also Sasha. Uh, um, and, and sandstorm and I, I remember those tracks from from those days um, in the electronic uh, in the electronic scene. Um.
0: And your friend who had um, your friend who because yeah my next question which I always like to ask is when did you first even become aware that that someone was a DJ, that someone's job was to play music to people? Um, was it your friend like, that had the, the, the equipment? Or was it that you had heard someone on radio? Had you seen somebody at um, a party or a, a, an event? When did you just first become aware that somebody was DJing and somebody was playing music to people and that was what they did?
2: Mm-hmm. So that's a very good question. Um, I honestly can't remember when that was, um, but I do remember that um, we that I, that I uh, when I was a little bit younger, like 10 years ago, when I started to go to some events, that was when I realized that that there were DJs actually making music and and um, making music for a living and and also playing their own music and and that was something that was new for me, but it's, it's like I guess um, ten years ago um, that I can remember, and that I had a feeling that I also wanted to try to do the same thing, and, and um, started to to do more experimenting with with electronic music. Um, but it really took a, a long time to um, to to get to the point that I, where I wanted to be for myself. So. Uh,
0: it's interesting that you said um, that your parents, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to rephrase what you said, but your parents weren't keen on you studying music. Oh no, they weren't keen on you picking up instruments. Um, and I guess we'll maybe come back to this, but it, I guess in many ways it, it it wasn't seen. And I still, I suppose in some in some families, it still isn't seen as a viable career or something that someone should chase as the way to live their life um i mean it's amazing that uh i think i saw yesterday that calvin harris has sold his publishing catalog for 90 million pounds or euros or dollars i don't think we'll 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 not get upset about the exchange rate um but it is interesting because one of the reasons that i i set up this podcast was to, to to find out the ways that different people um you know make a living and um, people like Scott Diaz um, run um, sample packs. People like Ollie James run Patreons where they help people produce. Um, people like Mark Maitland are mix engineers. There's a lot of different things behind um, the industry of which people make, make, make money. But I think, you know, to ask you another question, which is, do you think from those early days you were more interested in making and producing music or do you think you were more interested in DJing and playing music? Which one which one was of more interest to you around that early 16, 17, 18, you know, time? It was
2: definitely producing music and still is. Um, I, th- I think playing music is also, yeah, it's, it's, it's what you prefer, what, what your um, thing is like. I remember that you talked about the fact that you, you uh, interviewed... The James Hype <laughs> and, I, and, I can, <laughs> and I think he will uh, probably say that it was DJ, <laughs> DJing <laughs> but I'm uh, for, my, I, for me uh, producing a track is something that it's most it's the most challenging uh, thing for me to, to make something um, that other people or, or I hope some other people will enjoy um, too as much as I as I'm enjoying it uh, or when I enjoyed it to to uh, to make the record, so uh,
1: yeah.
0: So those first, um, so those first early forays into electronic music production through the 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 DOWs the DAWs. What software were you first starting to use when you first? I thought it was really interesting because um, as soon as you said, oh, it was really frustrating trying to get the band together, like to get everyone together. And I do think it is interesting because so many DJs and producers work alone we are like we are little silos we are little one-man bands we tour alone we dj alone we produce alone and although there's a big team around us and friends and collaborators and we are often the ones that we have to get up and sit in the studio like yourself on your own we have to go and get on a plane to go to a gig on our own um and i thought it was really interesting you mentioned that about the frustration of the band but when you so when you got frustrated and you decided to do things on your own what were those first bits of software that you used? How did you first um, teach yourself how to use the doors? Did you use any courses, or you know, how, what were those first? I mean, I'm taking you way back now, ten years. What were those first steps into music production? How did you go about doing it?
2: Um, I remember at that point the the. Um, it was another scene. It was, there was another uh, musical scene at that point. Sure. When I started, it was um, here in Belgium. It was the the jump scene, and it was the <laughs> the the hard uh, dance scene that was really uh, popular. So I started with uh, with fruity loops on an old computer, um, just um, drawing in patterns with, with my with my mouse, and I really thought that I was uh, really good at it um, till, uh <laughs> <laughs> until until I heard some other records and um, there was a, at that point a guy who was doing uh, the same thing but a, a lot better than me it was DJ Kuhn um Koon from the hardstyle scene um so I I thought it was really easy to uh, to start with electronic music and to make uh, some of those tracks but um it really wasn't <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fruity Loops was the first program, uh, program that I used. Um, afterwards, um, I uh, I started with uh, with um, education, um, and and then it was uh, for for a time Logic, I think, that I experimented with, and then it was Ableton um, for the okay. last eight years uh, i think that i'm using ableton now
0: did you have you ever obviously you had some musical lessons as far as the guitar goes and as far as the chords. so you're getting some musical theory um from that did you get any um did you get any education did you go on any courses to learn how to use ableton or logic um or was it all self-taught was it a combination of youtube and trial and error how did you Become so proficient um, as you are now. Was it you know? Yeah. Did you use any courses or any education, or how did you learn?
2: I didn't use any courses or education. I, I, okay. I used education, but it was from from uh, a lot of different places and, and bits, and um, it was like um, experimenting a lot and, and trying a lot of things. And it's also something I would recommend. Um, to to other younger producers to experiment a lot because the technical side of, of producing and and the things to, um, uh, to, to to make a record good those are things that everybody can can teach uh, in my opinion but for me to the way that I made I make the song the songs that I make today um, I think that's because all of those different experimenting, Pieces that I um, that I learned during the, those years. So um, I think when I, when I listen to music today, and I hear some, and I receive uh, demos every week from from a lot of uh, younger producers, they send me in in general pretty good sounding music, but it all all sounds a little bit too much the same for me. Um, they also want to re- replicate. I replicate. Um, a lot of minimal sounding things like like the Nether, I like in the Netherlands at the moment, and they all sound pretty good for me but but it's not something that that interests me because they they sound too much the same for me and and that's something that I think you you can't teach from from um, from from courses or, or something you can you have to um, yeah. Earn the right to to um, to to have your own sound by experimenting a lot, um, in my opinion. So, uh.
0: yeah, I think that makes sense, man. Um, so going back to the um, you know the, the 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 harder stuff is that how long were you producing that? Did you? Did you release any music under a different um, name that people might not be aware of? Did you release any of the hardest sort of stuff, any of that jump kind of music that you referred to? Was did you sort of get any releases with that, or is it only as the Night Funk alias became that you started to release music?
2: Um, my uh, my my DJ name back in the days, I, I I don't think I can pronounce it in English. It's uh, okay. Cast- <laughs> It's uh, Kazali. It's K A Z A L I. Okay. And um, it was um, something that that I that I made. Uh, I think like four or five records with on on uh, that I released on beat part. Um, and then it was already uh, night funk. You no.
0: Know? Okay. So, so and so if we're gonna definitely come back to production because your music is you know amazing and so many people will be aware of it but i'm just going to take you down on off on a dj um tangent just just slightly so obviously you started to make music you're using fruity loops you're making this music and that is a little bit you know a, a lot harder um than the stuff that we know you for now as night funk dj wise um When did you learn to DJ? How did you learn to DJ? And, you know, were you using your friend's equipment? Did you buy your own equipment? How old were you? You know, these first, very, very, very first steps into learning to DJ, how did that happen for you? Mm -hmm. Um, It was
2: also like, I think like 10 years ago that I started with DJing, but it was another journey than than I had with production, of course. Um, I started at a local bar um it was a really local uh bar <laughs> with, with sometimes even like um two or three people that were that were uh sitting there and i was uh teaching myself um to to uh to play house music already in, in those days um it was uh on a denon a double cd sp-
0: uh player <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. and it was really hard to, to <laughs> because you have little pitch bend buttons, right? Yeah. You have to just like pitch bend the track. Yeah.
2: It was really hard to, to match those records together, but that was something that, that challenges uh, me to, to, (laughs) to make sure it, it should fit uh, together. Um, so that was in, in those days. Then, um, a couple of two or three years later, I, I started to play in another bar. Um, but I was playing more like all-round stuff. I was also playing sometimes rock music. Um, yeah, sure. I, every, every kind of music that that um, yeah that that uh, that also people were, were uh, asking me to play. Um, so it's um, it's also helped me to to um, to understand what people like. So that that was a good lesson for me too because I all. I always wanted to play house music it, if it was for me, um, but but you have to make sure your your people are are also interested in the thing that you're doing. So um, I, 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 I I played all round stuff, and then it was like oh I think four four years ago, four or five yeah, four, five years ago that I started with. Playing only the things that, that I wanted to play. So only the the house, the tech house, um, techno sometimes, uh, those stuff. Uh. So
0: the, that first um, DJ brand, of which I will not try to pronounce for my own embarrassment, um, where did, because I'm always interested in where DJ, aliases, DJ brands, DJ names came from. And we'll obviously, well, I'll ask you about Night Funk next. But where did that first one come from? What does it, does it mean anything um, like to you? What yeah. does it? Gazale, it's from yeah. uh, it's from Italy. So the the, the
2: uh, name is from Italy. Um, it was when uh, I was in school and we went on on a on a, on a trip to to Italy with school. Uh, we went to uh, a restaurant and it it was called Il Casale. So uh, and and I was um, interested in, in what what the meaning was of that name. So so what what would it mean? It was uh, just a house so it was I mean a house and I I thought a house that's the thing that I wouldn't want to play uh, later so I just thought I'm gonna take as and it's 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 good for me
0: so then and then the next natural question sir is Night Funk where did I mean I'll ask you after this question about you know the change and and the change in your production style and everything else but when you um where does the name night funk come from what does it mean to you why did you choose it to use to represent this new type of music that you were going to produce and play
2: um it's nothing so special um i just like to I, I always liked funk music um funk is something that you can find in rock music it's also something that you can find in a lot of House tunes uh, from today, also a lot of classical house tunes from like like five or ten years ago, and um, just because it was something more catchy for me uh, to 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 do night funk. Um, also because night, because uh, in the most occasions I will
0: play at night, so <laughs> <laughs> that'll do for me. It's a good answer. So yeah, so just talk us through the um, the change then. So obviously you're making and producing things as Kazali. Uh, how many? I mean, I, I think on your, I think your first release that that I remember on on, on beat parties is about 2016 as Night Funk, something like that, about four or five years ago. But um, talk me through the decision to change brand. Was was there a big, was there a big change in what you were producing musically wise? Is that also coincide with your change from Fruity Loops to Ableton? Do all of these things happen at the same, a similar time to to become Night Funk?
2: um it was a journey so so it was a journey for me too to um to go to different um that de- I, I I also think to go to different scenes um because in the last 10 years there, there were for me a lot of scenes or hypes or, or how you uh, um sure I don't know how to, how to how to pronounce it but it's like there were, Different kind of styles during those years, um, and I also tried a lot of those styles. So there was jump and the hard dance and, uh, when I started, then there was um, drum and bass, and there was um, then, then there was um, the
0: EDM scene was was huge in Belgium, obviously with um, yeah. the
2: progressive house. Uh, yeah, at the moment so. I remember that I was experimenting with logic at that point when I, and I tried to, um, do some, get a, uh, type of, uh, chords and, and leads. And, but I never had a feeling that this is something that I'm, that I can master or this is something that, that I'm, uh, comfortable with, uh, like those. But I, I, I also tried every sound that was passing by, um, And then there was, at the point, the the more funky style, the the new disco uh, type of uh, sounds. And that was something that I, for the first time that I had a feeling, I really enjoyed doing. So uh, it was um, like five years ago. It was also when I started to uh, release, uh, I think as as Night Funk. And um, then I did some tech house kind of things. I was uh, inspired at that point by uh, by Green Velvet, by Relief uh, labels, uh, or, or the label from Solardo, from, uh, Sola, and, and so on. And then there was the the point when I um, when I was introduced to the sounds from uh, from Solid Grooves, from pausa and, and stuff. And that was when I really had a feeling like um, this is the the style that I want to make my own. And and this was something that i that i heard for the first time it was really something um, catchy it was uh, more dry uh, every other style was more yeah it was more dense it was more um, thicker and but but i really wanted to do something more minimalistic but more uh dry and more funky and heavy and
0: uh, more raw and pure so um so when that was one and when you say you were introduced to this were you introduced to this because you were in nightclubs seeing these guys playing were you introduced to this because you were playing that music in clubs and bars yourself or was this just because you were on Beatport part and soundcloud and youtube where did you yeah where did this influence of the new music not new music but you know the, the green velvet the solar where did that influence come from uh, actually, it was all because of uh, the things that I that I
2: was seeking through through beatport. Um, okay. Here in Belgium, we have a total other scene uh, in in nightclubs than I have seen in in other countries. Um, like here in Belgium, techno is is has been um, really popular the the last few years. Um, but but uh, the tech house scene is is really minimalistic it, it's it's it, it's not really something you should uh search for uh, here in belgium so
0: so there's not a lot of you wouldn't get a lot of gigs in belgium as night funk no, you wouldn't no. okay and you wouldn't see salado you wouldn't see those those djs playing in belgium
2: there were some there were some djs that i've seen in, in the last years that i also was inspired from um, like but 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 it was. There weren't a lot of events in, in, in that kind of uh, style. So okay. I I, uh, I did uh, met some guys and I did uh, went to some uh, events, but they were like for a couple of, I uh, like, three or four hundred people. It was not really a major event here in Belgium. It was also something that me and my friends would have to drive like an hour or so to, to see those guys. Yeah. Um, it was back in those days. It was Colombo. He's also from Belgium. Okay. Uh, Lulu players. I, I've seen uh, um, Richie Ahmed. Um, sure. Th- those guys. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about um, some of your your productions as Night Funk. You've moved into working more on Ableton. Um, for anyone who Oh, well, no. Just why do you find Ableton? You know, obviously, I can see some hardware in the background there as well. But why do you find Ableton to be? Yeah, why are you so comfortable using Ableton? I think you said you've used it for about six years or now. So now, why do you like Ableton the most? What is? What do you like about Ableton? What is good about Ableton for you?
1: Um,
0: it's
2: just something that I that I'm used to now. It's uh, it's something for me that works. Pretty fast to to sketch my ideas. Um, it's uh, yeah. W- when I want, I have my idea in, in about uh, ten minutes or fifteen minutes. I have my my idea that I can that I can start with and and that I can do the arrangement with in in like two hours later. So it's for me, it's just something that works fast and, and, and goes well so
0: and you have i see your videos on instagram man they're amazing as I, I you have do you use like is it an apc what is the little um is it what's the little sampler that you use to to run a it's a it's an ableton push it's a
2: push um but in general i'm not using that the push so so many times it's uh the ableton push sorry yeah that's right isn't it yeah sorry yeah so for me i'm using it in most occasions, to draw in the automation, uh, okay. because that's something that you can't achieve with your with your, with your mouse um, in, in the in the same way. Uh, it's something you can manually draw in or, or, or dial in with 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 the buttons. But for I, for me, in the most occasions, I'm just using my mouse to to uh, to do all patterns and to. Uh, program all things that i want to program so uh, for me the, um, the, the 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 thing that i do the most and where i spent the most of my time is is to search for samples to um yeah that that's the most time consuming thing for me in the studio to to find the right samples
0: okay then on that on that note no pun intended um I'm going to ask you the question you can say you can say no and tell us to go go find our own samples but can you tell if there's some budding producers out there who love your records obviously you've just said it's time consuming but where can those guys and girls go and look where 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 are good places to find samples um you know where should where could they be looking or do they just need to look harder <laughs> what's your answer to that um for me it's it's
2: um not yeah Everybody knows that the platform splice um, and that's something that I'm using um, in the end of my productions. When I'm when I'm uh, pretty confident with with my result already, but I'm searching for a particular sound that I haven't got already, then it's something to work fast with. But to begin with, I always start with older samples that I'm that I'm digging for. In sometimes my uh, in my suitcase here, it's under my under my screen. There's a suitcase, and it's um, full of um, like those like those cassettes.
0: <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> it's uh,
2: it's full of cassettes with uh, with things on it from my from my uncle uh, back Amazing. in the early days, and that's something that I'm. That I'm uh, going through with my
0: uh, with my cassette player. Amazing! Right? Okay, so I need to ask you this question. <laughs> I can't believe you just showed me a cassette player. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> how so? How do you how do you how do you root? How do you get this the cassette player into into your computer? Is it a phono into a, a sound card? How do you get how do you get the cassette into 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 Ableton? Uh, it's just um, so
2: it's like the, the you way, got a usb
0: well, cassette player
2: yeah but but i never used the usb it's just for um for for uh recording from usb to cassette
0: okay so so, uh, so how do you get the cassette from the cassette onto into 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 ableton how do you get the sound from the cassette into ableton
2: yeah it's it's low quality of All course right. Um, and it goes from, uh, uh, Oaks cha- channel to, to, uh, the
0: Jack. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So let's talk about, um, so we're going to get to pump up the jam cause that's, uh, you know, a beat part number one. Um, and we'll get to the stuff that's on trick and, and that kind of, and those kind of things and, and you, and you, and your more later releases, but. I guess, what do you see as some of those really early um, Night Funk releases that really sort of started to define that sound, which A, you're happy with, like you said, you know, that sound that you wanted to make, that slightly slip, strip back, slightly more minimal sound? And, and yeah, what are those couple of early records that maybe some people listening and watching this haven't heard before because they've just become aware of Night Funk in the last 18 months or two years? But if we go back to the earlier releases, what are a couple of those early night funk things that you were really proud of, and you feel like have really really set out where your sound um, is?
1: Um,
2: actually, it's not that long ago. Um, I think it's like two years ago. Okay. That it, uh, and it started with a with um, with uh, a moment in my in my uh, life when. Where I was at that point, that I wanted to make something, that I really wanted to make something good in music. Um, I had a feeling that I had had to do something. um, That I, I, how how do I explain it? I I really wanted to make the best things that I that I could at that point. So I, I never had a feeling before that I was putting out the best music that I could. Um and then there was a moment that I that I really wanted to do like 100% the best things that I could so I started with a track um it was called Romeo at that point um and I was really happy with the end result I was really happy with how it was sounding how I wanted it to sound um so I started to to search for for labels and and stuff and I was uh, also sending it out to labels and 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 other artists but I also had the response from uh, that that it wasn't the the thing that they were looking for Um, it was uh, too tight it was too um, it was too straight back for for them to to release and 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 so on but I really was confident about the fact that, that that it was good enough to put out so um I thought about it, and I and, and I, I thought, well, why wouldn't I release it myself? I never did it before, but I just wanted to to, to try it and to to see what it would be, and uh, it turned out pretty good. Uh, a couple of months later, so I I I, I uh, keep kept doing it um, with, with other tracks. So when you
0: say when you say self released, do you mean through Bandcamp or do you mean did you set up your own label? How do you how did you self release Romeo? Um,
2: In the first place, I I always used uh, SoundCloud to to put it online. Um, Then I was introduced to uh, to Bandcamp um, by asking some some friends of me, Um, and I also uh, yeah I. I had to uh, make my own label to to put it out on Beatport and, and so on. So I just um, made my own label called uh, Funkers to uh, to just put out some of the, the own tracks that I wanted to put out at that moment. So
0: How did you find that, man? Because, um, yeah, how did you find setting up your own label? Just talk us through the process. I mean, what I love about this story so far is you have this real diy attitude this real do-it-yourself attitude, which is just you know oh i was I, i picked up a guitar i found it frustrating that people couldn't rehearse together so i just decided to produce my own music and then i just decided to you know i just decided to dj in a bar like you know and it's it's a similar sort of story that a lot of djs would recognize but i love the fact that and this is a through line here oh i've made this record and no one seems to want to reduce it. Oh, I'll just release it myself. So It's, it's his continuation of, well, I'll just do it myself. So how did you go about setting up a label at this point?
2: Um, it's not, not so, so special. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just something you, you I, I just had to Google it myself and just had to, to um, do, I do what, what, uh, what Google was saying and, and try it and just put it online and, and, um, yeah, I, I can't re- remember what what was so difficult about it. I think it was with um, distro kit or, or something like that that I, yeah, that as I was as a distributor. Uh, um, but it's nothing special or nothing. Now it's well, also something. Yeah, at, at this moment I'm not releasing a lot of tunes uh, anymore on that on that imprint because. I have so many questions from from other labels to to put out uh records on on their labels so it's it's, yeah, it's well, not, I think you're
0: so. very I think you're very modest man because you know it's it's it, yes you're correct in what you say which is you googled it you found a distributor you set up a label and you did it right but so many people sit in their bedrooms or sit in pubs and procrastinate that no label wants their music and they can't get anywhere and I think if you know we're only probably halfway through this podcast but if so far i've taken anything from chatting to you it is just get up and do it you know if you want to if you want to do something get up start it google it find out how to do it and crack on with it and you know like you say okay maybe you didn't find it that difficult but it's a great message for people which is just do it <laughs> just find out how to do it and, and you know go there and, and do it so so you brought out romeo um, did and so how did what was the journey of romeo did other people start to pick it up how did you get it to other artists how did people start to hear it did you know at what point did you yeah what was the journey of Romeo like you self-released it did you start to get DJ support what, what happened with that track
2: um for me it was uh the the SoundCloud platform that was the most um I that was the best platform for me for that track um that was something where people started to um tag me in, in Instagram stories and stuff Um, And it was since I made Romeo that that there was also some interest from other artists that that wanted to play um, that track and and tracks that were following. So um, I can't remember a a specific thing or or, um, how how it all began, but I think it was uh, SoundCloud that was the the major platform for me that boosted everything. So uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a story we've heard on the podcast before. I did um, an episode with Ben Hemsley, who's from from the Northeast again, um, uh, and he again. I think his record, I think his "Caress Me" record was found by, uh, might have been found by Lee Foss on SoundCloud, or I know there was something else where Michael Bibby just found a record of his on SoundCloud and hit him up, and that and that began. So I think SoundCloud is still a really powerful powerful platform for other artists to discover other artists music. Um, And it's a way that I still discover artists and I do a little bit of management and I look after this, uh, or I try to help this young American kid called Moose. And again, I just found him on SoundCloud and then he hooks me up with other DJs and other producers that he's heard on SoundCloud. So it's still a really powerful platform for, for people to discover music. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk about pump up the jam. Let's talk about your version of it. Um, how it came about why you made it in the first place and then that journey to right at the top of the beat part chart give us the, <laughs> give us the um, yeah give us the story of, of, of your version of, of Pump Up The Jam man.
2: Um, it was in the summer of 2019 um, that's when there was a, a competition uh, on the Belgian national radio um, they started with the competition to remix uh, the Pump Up The Jam track and uh, the, the first the winner uh, would win the prize to uh, have an official release on Universal with the track. So I was uh, doing some tracks at that moment. I, I think it was at, uh, at the point where I just finished a track called Music. Um, it, it's now on, on Jackie's label. Yeah. Uh, so I thought by myself, like, like, why wouldn't I try it and, and do something with it and, and make something that I want to jam on or that I can vibe on. Um, and I wanted to do something pretty uh, pretty basic. I didn't want to make something um, I, super um, extraordinary or, or something. I just wanted to use the, the parts that were already pretty good that I really liked. And that was the the hook, the synth kind of thing, and the, the vocals, of course. Uh, and I also want to wanted to to use the, the sounds that they were using back in those days, but just make something with my own stamp on it. So that, those were my my uh, thoughts at that moment. Um, I made it and I finished it, and then uh, I I'm not I wasn't even in the top three of the winners at that moment. So uh <laughs>
0: What do the people know? What do the people know? <laughs> so there was another
2: another guy who, who won the, that contest. Um, it was a guy who was playing piano in the in a church and okay. uh doing a cover of the of the track, singing okay. it. Um and I was really like well, why why would, would, would they choose some guy <laughs> to to why would they release why would they release something like that on Universal <laughs> <laughs> But I love the fuck you got I, your head in your hands <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 thought, I thought about it and I thought about the fact that they would probably take the, the, the one that that is the most original and the most creative with, with the track so I had a feeling like okay um, I'm, I'm just going to put it out on SoundCloud put it out sure. as a free
0: download it's amazing. I just it's it's the it's the go-to like producer thought process, isn't it? Is that you've made something and you think it's great, and then no one else seems to like it, and you go, "I'll just give it away." On SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you you were thinking about giving it away on SoundCloud. Yeah. So I I also did it. So so I, I put it out on
2: SoundCloud, and people started to um, of course they, they download it, play it, and, and and so on, because it's it's like. Um, yeah it's it's like a remix and and everybody knows the track from the early days, so it's it's um, convenient that that uh, that there were a couple of reposts and likes and, and and so on. And uh, it was in uh, I think December uh, of last year that I teamed up with my management. and um, there's uh, there's a guy in in uh, in, in my team. Uh, who's also from from those old, uh, more early days, who already had the connections with um, with the, the TechnoTronic, with um, TechnoTronic <laughs> themselves, uh, or himself, and he um, asked me like Dennis, uh, w- what would you feel like if if I would ask um, your is uh, your Borgard is the the main is the man uh, behind uh, TechnoTronic. I, how would you feel about it if I would ask him to uh, to to release this one as a, as an official release? So I was like, yeah. Um, I really didn't think I thought uh, it was it, it was going to be a good track because everybody already could listen to it on my on my SoundCloud at that point and it was like more than half a year after the contest. So so I didn't. Uh, had a feeling that it would be something that would um, that would be so so good or, or, or hit a number one or, or something in, in that kind of thing um but I, I was like yeah sure do do what you want and and do what you want with the track with it and so uh, the yo universal also um, said that they want to release it and also, Technetronics the said they want to release it as an official, and so it became the the track as it is today.
0: And it came out on Hot Fuss, is that right? Yeah,
2: Hotfus is the is the little label that was that's also owned by uh, by by my team.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, story wise, did it? Because I won't know these. I can't remember these facts. Did it? Come out on the Friday and go number one on the Saturday. Did it like was it an overnight thing? Did it creep up the charts over the course of a month or something? Um, were you keeping tabs on it? Were you not keeping tabs on it? Like how did it how did it go from that point of, of release to to number one?
2: Um, I really didn't expect it. Of course, um, I think it was in the like a time range like uh, two or three weeks. Okay, but, uh, on the number one. Uh, I didn't expect it. My management didn't expect it to. Um, we did at uh, our, our own goal to to get a, a top 30 in in a tech house uh, thing, but we you know, we went over that. So,
0: uh. well, congratulations, man. Did it? How did that? And we'll, we'll, again, we'll come on to some some late releases. I want to talk about your trick release as well. But did it? Did that? Because for people listening, they won't always know. I mean, I remember. I remember years ago, um, my good friend PBH, who's a resident at, um, at BCA in Magaluf, and he's he's been on the podcast as well. And years ago, when I got my first release on spinning, and it came out and stuff, and then he was he sort of said, "Oh, you know, when you had that release on spinning, did it did it change your life?" And I was like, "No, not really." <laughs> <laughs> but my but my question to you is, did that? How did that beat part number one affect affect you? Did it did it change? bookings that were coming in did it change requests from labels for remixes for releases um you know did that have a huge effect on on the career of night funk or was it just part of the i mean i know it's part of the journey but did it have a huge did it open a lot of doors and change directions for for you
2: yeah of course um now of course we we live in the the corona times so bookings uh, there there were a lot of requests in the in the beginning but we, we couldn't accept bookings because of the these circumstances and, and these times but I also did have uh, a lot more requests from labels to to make uh, remixes and originals for their for their imprint so that's something that changed for me um, that's something that I that I'm really happy with because now I have the opportunity to to um, to, to make tracks for for other labels that I always dream uh, dreamed of so well.
0: So before we go on to some of the the releases that that came around the same time and after Pump It Up, DJ Wise, do you remember, or can you remember the first, the first sort of genuine Night Funk booking, the first request that came in from someone that you didn't know, and you got to travel to somewhere to do that set?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. It was in uh, in England, uh, in uh, Liverpool. Yes. go. uh,
0: what was the what was the venue? or the other name of the night? Um, that's a good question. <laughs>
2: uh, I can't remember the the venue's name. Um, how was the it,
0: gig, man? Was it was were you sort of the the main event? Were you the headline, or were you part of a bigger lineup?
2: I think I was a headliner at that moment. And how was
0: and how was that how was that gig, man? How did you find it? Because it, I guess you've been doing a lot of DJing. Prior to this, obviously, as as discussed, but did it feel different going as Night Funk? Did it feel different being the main event, the headliner? How did the sort of how did it feel going to do that gig?
2: Yeah, of course, it was it was a great uh, great experience for me. It was, um, but I do have I, I it was weird for me in in, in that, um, yeah, it was weird for me because the people over there they 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 were like oh. oh you're so humble and, and that it's, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's weird to be there as, as night funk, um, because I'm just a random person, um, who just lost to play, uh, my, my music there. And for me, some of them were too, um, too much like behaving like a fan. I, I don't know how, how to, how to say it. Um, but, I just want to be part of the the event and not like the the main act or. Uh.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I I understand that. Um. I I sort of know how you feel a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of prefer. DJing in dark places where you're not really on show and stuff and you know you're part of the scene as opposed to you know being on a stage with a light on it and you know I feel quite self-conscious in those situations so I sort of understand a little bit what you're saying um, and we're not going to go through every record but I mean I would like to talk about two more records before we really start to, to wind it up and ask you about other things I'd like to ask you about music on Jackie and Friends um, how did that come about how did, did Jackie ask something of you did you contact him how did how did music come about
2: Mm-hmm. um so i already i i sent some demos to jackie already and i um and i i, I asked him uh, how he would feel about
0: releasing some of them but he never responded me so uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's, i mean that's just basically I mean, we're not pick, we're not picking on jackie here by the way this is basically just the entire fucking music industry how it responds to each other <laughs> that's just how
2: it goes um, and um, then uh, I think he was asking me um, for for some demos, and I was like, Cheggy I fucking send, so send you some. demos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Check your fucking emails, mate."
2: And, uh, <laughs> he was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah," and and then um, he was asking me to to release uh, the the track uh, "Lies," I think it was. Um, So I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I have another one that that I just finished. So I I sent him uh, the music track too. But he, uh, in fact, wanted to release the the live track at that moment. I was like, yeah, Jackie, but I already released that one myself, uh, my own imprint, but that wasn't an issue for him him at that that point. Um, And he wanted to to take the music track too, but he was more like uh, music was like a beat track for him. Okay. Um, I think it's because um, it's not um, it, it, it didn't have um, uh, lyrics that everybody can can relate to. So, um, but I was more into the music track at that point, and uh, that's when when the EP came out, and that's when uh, when when I had also had a feeling that music was doing a lot better over over that time um, than than the live track
0: sure it's a, great, it's a great track man and then the last one that I'd like to talk about is, is the trick release about, about your love um, obviously um, I live in the same city or the same area as Patrick and I had the same clubs and stuff so how did that release come around was that something that uh, Patrick had asked you you know if you had any demos is it something that you'd sent over to Patrick do you know Patrick have you, have you DJed with him or have you seen him play live
2: uh, unfortunately I've never seen him play live um, I, I wish I had but um, I always followed him and, and his style. I also had a f- have a feeling that he's that he's changed his style a bit over the past uh, years. Um, for me, sometimes his style nowadays is too um, eccentric or too too uh, uh, special for me.
0: It's diverse. Let's say <laughs> that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, it's diverse. And, uh, so it was it was for me, like, Trick is, is really a booming label for me. It's, it's sure. like a label that, that, that's putting out records that are new, fresh, um, energetic, uh, of course. So I was uh, thinking about it, and I was making my, my own demos and tracks, and I was like, I, I really want to put out a track on that label because it's, it's for me, a, a pretty good label um, with, with new vibes, with fresh things on it. Um, so I had to think about it, and, and I didn't want to send just anything to him. Yeah, so you have to uh, make sure that you send a demo to a label that is um, fitting the, the label's vibe. So that's, that's really important. And I, at, a, at a particular point, I had a feeling like this is a track that Patrick maybe would play. So, so that was where, where I only uh, sent him that that demo. There wasn't. There was only one demo that I sent him, and that was the demo that he responded to. I wanted to put out. It was uh, the about your love track. And then um, I think like a month later, so he, he said he wanted to put it out. It was nothing like an agreement or something uh, at that point. But I was talking about it with my management, and um, I uh, I said to him that that I wanted to make another track in the same kind of vibe and and with the same kind of lyrics and and so on, because I already had a feeling that he wanted to put out more like EPs on his label.
0: Sure.
2: So, um, I made another demo, uh, in the same kind of, it was the let go track, the same kind of vibe. Um, so it would, uh, and, and, and it was around like two weeks later after I finished that demo that he asked me, like, uh, do you have another track to go as a B-side for for uh, for, for the release on Trick? So I said to him, "Yeah, I think I have." Funnily enough.
0: <laughs> funny enough, yeah. funny you should ask, Patrick.
2: <laughs> and that's how uh, the Trick release uh, came out.
0: Nice, man. Um, what is your what are your plans then? So obviously, we've had this, we've had a really awful 2020 as far as the music industry is concerned. How have you found? the last six seven months have you found yourself more productive in the studio have you found yourself less productive are you making similar records are you making different records how have these how have these last six seven months been for you production wise um,
2: for me it's
0: it's the same
2: um, it's like a routine in my day uh, I still work all, also full-time as a nurse so <laughs> I, uh, I I also um, have my routine every day I start when I have the, the late shift I start in, uh, like 9 in the morning with making music um, when I have an early shift I start at, at uh, 5 in the afternoon uh, making music um, so it's it's not something that, that's changed for me um, I also didn't have the um, the experience of traveling a lot because I, I wasn't really I, 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 I uh, I haven't been booked a lot before so so it's not uh for me it's not like a big change uh, okay and
0: months. do so music wise what can people um expect to hear from you uh in the next five six months what can they expect to hear are, are you, have you got any releases coming out um before the end of this year and if not what have you got coming out um early next year
2: um I do have some releases on my schedule. I have some remixes. I have some uh, originals that are also coming out next year. Um, I think there's uh, coming. There's one release coming out this Friday on uh, CR2 Records. It's nice. a remix. Then there's... Uh, that's a, ju- un-
0: that's ju- Juicy Lips, right? I think I got the promo for that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then there's uh, uh, a remix coming out on spinning records deep uh, in November the end of November there's an original release coming out on Solid Grooves in November
0: nice Um,
2: there's um, I I don't know what's coming out in December yet Uh, I do know that there's uh, an EP release coming out in January on the material Um, there's um, also one that is signed on Black Book Records from Chris Lake Um, just just finished a remix for um black book records for Nicky Nighttime. Um, that's also coming out but i don't know when, when. Well, so that's a pretty
0: the- disgustingly good release schedule there dennis so congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like rhyming off the best record labels in the industry as if it's like yeah you know just solid grooves and black books and you know a couple of those things um so that sounds pretty amazing man i'm sure that um I'm sure that next year uh, and and onwards from that is only going to increase, you know, your your bookings and, and everything else. And I've got, you know, all respect in the world for your work ethic as far as you know, working crazy shifts as a nurse and then producing music. Uh, and I'm sure you're a very very good nurse, but I have a feeling that potentially you might not be a nurse for too much longer after the pandemic. Um, pandemic finishes. If people want to find out, we're going to do some things to before we finish up, but if people want to find out, um, more about you, um, where can they hit you on socials? What should they Google? What should they look for? How can they find you on Instagram? Just what your handles are or how can people find out more about you?
2: I think my, my most, uh, interactions are, are, uh, going through Instagram. Um, just on, when you type in Nightfunk, you'll, you'll find my profile and that's where, um, I get most of my messages, my requests, um, when they ask uh, when they ask for bookings and stuff, you can uh, go to my management. It's also in, uh, in on my Instagram. Um, we're also working on a on a website. Um, yeah, then I think you can go to my SoundCloud, of course, to to listen to my new mixes, my new tracks, uh, my Spotify account. Um, it's all on. on the same name on night.
0: Yeah, it was funny when, uh, so I reached out to you on, uh, on Instagram and, uh, and then I got an email from your manager who was someone that I'd done a collab with (laughs) back in, back a few years ago, shout out to Thomas or Sam Thomason as some people will know him a big, um, well, yeah, big Belgian DJ, you know, he was played Tomorrowlands quite regularly and, you know, some big releases and yeah, so he acts as your management now. um, But some people may know him as, as Sam Thomason. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to do, um, a couple of kind of quick things before we before we go, we're going to end with a few more quick fire questions. But these are a bit more DJ music related. Um, so the first one would be: um, if you were booked to go out and do a DJ show, and you saw that you were going to go on after someone else, um, and you thought, Oof, they, "Oh, they that might be quite a difficult gig. They're they're pretty good, and I'm a little bit nervous." Is there anyone that you would see that you were going to follow and think, "Oh dear, that might be quite hard work"?
1: Uh,
2: I think, I think, uh, that there are a lot of DJs, uh, these days, so I, I think it, it's, it will be a challenge, of course, with every DJ that I will meet, um, that is in the scene already that, that, <sighs> um, oh, oh, it's a, it's a good question. <laughs> Of course, yeah, I think like people like Michael Beebe like Patrick topping like um
0: yeah i don't think I'd I, fancy going I, after Patrick topping to be honest <laughs> that'd be a pretty crazy show can i can i can I take you back to your childhood? Can you remember the first what what I would call real nightclub? Can you remember the first kind of nightclub where you were young and it was dark and the music was pounding. Can you remember the name of that nightclub? Can you remember where it was? Can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: Uh, it was in uh, in Hasselt, it's in uh, Belgium. And it was called Slices, but it's uh, already thrown down at the, at the moment. Um, and that was when I was first introduced to a uh, nightclub and also into uh, the, the house scene, in the deep house uh, playing scene.
0: Cool. Well, that, that sort of links on to the next question a little bit, which is, well, it doesn't have to, I suppose, but what is there a track um, that has influenced you the most? Is there a track that has really, you, you know, you can go back to a point in time and you think, wow, that track really shaped my journey within electronic music. That track really changed the way that I thought about electronic music. Is there a track that has that sort of moment for you and that sort of influence?
2: Um, yeah, um, it was, there were a couple of tracks that I can remember. Um, it was infinity from infinity Inc. Yeah. Uh, that was a track that was really, for me, mind blowing to, to, to hear. Um, there were also in the same time, uh, other tracks like, um, uh, something special, um, there was a track like uh, benediction um yeah, yeah that, was in those days
0: wow yeah there was some, some amazing tracks you've just uh you just named there. um favorite club that you've ever played it doesn't have to have been a a night funk gig it can be any gig that you've ever done as you know as yourself but i mean it can be any gig you've ever played but is there a nightclub or a venue or a festival or is it just something that you you know where's the favorite place that you've ever dj'd
2: um, I think it was in Germany, in uh, Saarbrücken. That was uh, a place um, in an old factory where I had to play. Um, wow. And that was really, yeah, really special for me because the people that went there were also normal people. Um, I refer to it as like people here in Belgium, people would go to, uh, to the fitness or to uh, a, a gym, or to, um, to 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 uh, go and work out and to dance, but like in Germany, they went to the club to um, to go to the gym and work out as as hard as they. But it's also because the people were were just so random and so normal. Um, it wasn't like there were crazy uh, prices for for. Uh, drinks or or some um, there were also older people there were younger people there were people that were um, like very rich and people that were very poor so that was something that was special for me because everybody came and everybody just came to dance and that that's the most important thing
0: that's an amazing answer man I think that's my favorite answer to that question so far Um, okay so you know that um, famous—I <coughs> think it was, was it two years ago or something—that famous clip, uh, that famous bit of video of Carl Cox um, closing Space, um, and he finishes and he plays his last record, and you know Fanciuli's there, and, and it's it's amazing. I want to put you in those kind of shoes, man. So you're gonna you're gonna play the last, uh, you know, the last set at, at Space or somewhere. It doesn't have to be Space, but you're playing the last set. Um, And you're playing the last record. One of the things I've used in the last couple of weeks when I've been talking to people is you were playing the last set back in March before lockdown, before everything got closed down. What I'm really trying to capture is the essence of something that you would play at the end of a kind of an emotional set that you knew might be the last time that you would DJ for a while. It might be the last song at a club that you've played that you love. So mm-hmm. yeah, what is a sort of last record that you might finish on um to evoke an emotion with the crowd?
2: Um I think it's uh, a track from AIM. Um but I I don't know the title. Right? Uh how's the title again? <laughs> the aim the aim track. Uh oh, I can't can't remember the track's name.
0: Is it Ray or something? Am yeah. I getting completely confused with something else? No, it's uh
2: AIM and uh it's like, like hearing it live. I um, so "How is the track's name again?" Uh, uh, um, I can't remember the track's name. But I, it's when I when I when I look into my uh, record box, it's like one of the first ones that, that I that I cross because it's uh, it's, the, it's the the a from aim and uh, but I can't remember the tracks name um, it's like a, a live kind of sounding track and it really is for me emotional to to hear
0: um, okay well, if, you, if you're watching uh, if you're watching this on 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 um on YouTube, and you know the record. <laughs> this is trying to trying to remember. Drop a comment, or if uh, or if I release this, um, and you remember, you can uh, you can you can post it below, and people can check it out. Um, last question on this little little kind of quick one is: um, if you got a booking request through, if if, if Thomas sends you a, an email, and you have a booking for next summer, yeah. um you playing in Ibiza or somewhere and you see that you're warming up for someone, so you're on as the warm-up DJ before this headline act, who would that dream DJ be to warm up from before? So you get to play exactly the music you want to play, you get to play the records that you, know, you want to play, you don't feel like you have to stretch to meet this guy or this girl, you're warming up, and you know that as soon as you take your headphones out, and they go on, you're just going to have a magical evening because you're either going to be in the DJ booth watching them DJ or you're going to be on the dance floor having a great time. So who would be that DJ that you would just love to warm up for?
2: Um, I already had uh, this experience with Green Velvet. So, amazing. Um, <laughs> that was like two or three years ago. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was was um, really special to... Uh, to be with him and to, to have him as a the follow-up DJ, so.
0: And he's such a, a lovely, eccentric character. Um, if you've never, well you obviously have, I mean, the people literally know if you've never had the experience of seeing Green Velvet live, make sure you go and do it because he's a, a super larger than life character. <laughs> and his DJ sets are always, you know, so full of energy and so amazing. Um, okay, the last thing we're gonna do, and you may have already announced someone that could be on this, But the last thing we're going to do to wrap up the podcast really is I'm going to ask you to curate a sort of a dream gig. Um, So you're going to tell us where the gig is. You're going to tell us where the show is. It can be somewhere that you've already played. It can be somewhere like you can name somewhere like a club or a festival or it can be a generic place like a a dark basement, a huge festival, a beach party. But first of all, you're going to give us Somewhere this gig's going to happen. Then we're going to have three acts. It's not so much a warm-up in the middle and a headline. It's almost like three co-headlines. Um, these acts can be DJs. They can be DJs back-to-back. They can be live acts. They can be they can be anything you want, really. It's just your dream gig. You can appear. You can play as part of the lineup, um Or you can just attend as it's your dream gig. Um, but Night Funk, where are we going to have this dream gig? Where is it going to take place?
2: Um... I think it would be at a place um, like, you you know, the the circle uh, kind of things uh, on on YouTube. So I would uh, imagine it would be at a a place like that, um, like in the clouds or somewhere. (laughs) um, I just saw the ledger
0: one. Was there a ledger one yesterday from the pyramids or something? That was crazy.
2: So that would be pretty special if I could dream and and, uh, have have a kind of crowd over there um, that, that will dance, of course, too. Um,
0: and who's so going I'd to play? play? Who's on like, the lineup?
2: Um, it would be, uh, I think, uh, Patrick Topping, it would be uh, Michael Beebe, it would be um, Dennis Cruz, um, it would be. They, they would all three play back to back.
0: Then nice. there would. Uh, <laughs> Sounds cheap.
2: Uh, and then there would be um, the, 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 um,
0: are you gonna play?
2: Yeah, but probably before or after them. Uh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who else? Uh, and then I would also I, I if if I would have to choose for like three uh, stages, then I would have three stages that were a, a bit different. Um, so those, that, that would be the stage that would be uh, like the the acts that everybody already know about. Then I would choose for, for a stage where there also are more the younger kind of uh, talented people. Um, I would choose for people like, uh, I think, uh, Clooney. I would um, maybe... Um, uh, um, Clooney... Um, uh, uh, john Summit, i will choose um yeah like the the, the more younger item the more younger generation of, of producers um sure. that are also really inspiring and and, and really uh, go, doing a good thing at the moment and then there would be a third stage uh where i would choose for um yeah, some some other kind of acts uh, that I also like. It's, it's another kind of musical type, um, but I also like the the tracks from like Will Clark, um, Dance and Pika. That that's more more harder, more techno kind of thing. But it's also something I can enjoy because they they manage to uh, to get some kind of funk into their techno kind of vibe. So uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm a big fan think, of Will Clark, man. That sounds like a a wicked gig. I'm definitely involved. I'm going to ask you, before we say goodbye, to nominate a a record, a track that was going to play out the podcast. Um, It can be one of yours. It can be something new. It can be something old. It can be completely not dance music. It can be anything you like at all. It can be, like you say, it can be self-promotion that you put in one of the tracks we've talked about it can be um something you heard today it can be something that you know um inspired you all those years ago but people have been listening to us chat for just over an hour and i'd like you to give them something to listen to now um after our voices which is a bit bit of music so introduce the track and just tell people why they should they should listen to it
1: mm-hmm.
0: um does it uh, have to be electronic no nope, it can be anything you like sir this is this is entirely up to you
2: okay uh I think about a track called, um, it's from the fine young cannibals.
0: Okay. Uh, Johnny come home. And why should people listen to Johnny come home?
2: Because, because it's a, a track that's not really here in Belgium. They, they, um, don't really play it on radio or something. Um, it's something that I, that I really, uh, it's a track that I really like. Um, it's funky it's um it's also for me underrated um for me it's it's like a classic like classic rock funk song from the from the early days um yeah that that i still like so uh
0: amazing man i think that's a fantastic choice and um, thank you so much for talking to me it's been an amazing and inspiring chat um i know i'm gonna hear so much more from you in the future and i hope that Everyone who's listening and watching to this is going to get to see your DJ um, next year or the year after when we get to to travel again. Night Funk, thank you so much. Uh, I hope to see you again soon, man. Yeah, thank you, Felix.
1: Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.